Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt weary? Today, I believe that we need to feel wary of feeling very weary. And let me explain. The word wary means cautious, whereas the word weary means you're exhausted, you're lacking strength, you don't have the energy to continue. It's like when you get home too late from work and it's too late to nap, but it's too early to go to sleep. So you just kind of feel weary. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like when you go to IHOP with your two little kids to eat some delicious pancakes cakes and they won't let you eat because they want to play and they crawl on you and you're like here's some melatonin and I just want to continue with my life any parents know what I'm talking about where you just feel weary let me show you a clip from this Saturday in our family life at IHOP Weary is when you just don't care anymore. You try to raise good kids. You try to help them be good citizens in public. But then you're just like, this is a lost cause. I just want my pancake. It's with this in mind that I believe that Paul the Apostle writes in Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal. Let us not become in doing good. For at the time we will reap a if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have, let us good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I love the way he ends this portion. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Paul the Apostle in Galatians chapter 6 is talking about being weary. And I think this is something that we can all relate to at some season in our life. You know, I was on break for all of July. We took a vacation from ministry, and we were doing vacations and travels, and I decided to do some house projects. You know, I heard that if you work a lot with your mind, and I work with my mind thinking leadership and writing sermons, if you work a lot with your mind, it's good to rest with your hands. So I decided I'm going to paint my house. I'm going to paint all the interior rooms, the living room, all this. And I'm not handy. I'm not really good with these kind of tools and projects. But I thought, I'm going to learn all these kind of things. And so uh, I'm painting. And I decided I don't want to use my mind, so no music, no audiobooks. No uh, podcasts, just me and the fumes, no ventilation. <laughs> I just, 
I just thought, this is the break I need. So I'm painting, and I'm learning all sorts of skills. I like did reupholstery for my chairs at our kitchen table. I learned how to install dimmer switch for our lamps. It was a crazy growth process for me. But I remember painting our son's room, Obi. And for those of you who don't know, our son, Obi, he has special needs. He's nonverbal for the most part. He can be pretty aggressive. He's in special education. And his room has been destroyed. It used to be the cutest room in our house, but he gets kind of destructive. So he peeled all the paint off the room and destroyed all of his changing tables and his cribs and then his bed and tore all the closet up. So it's like a bare, empty very depressing room for our family. And I decided I'm going to paint this room a bright blue, give it a Mario theme, make some clouds. I'm going to make this beautiful. And I'm painting this, and I'm sweating in this room. I didn't open up a window for a full week. I don't know why. But I'm (laughs) feeling weary. I finally get this room ready. I present it to Amritha, and we're like, wow, this sad room has become a happy room. When you get inspired to decorate it, we put in a new bed and new pillows and new blankets. And we put our son in the room. He's so excited about it. But then a couple days later, he destroys it. He paints the room with markers. He peels off everything he can peel. He scratches and scrapes away at the paint. And I just remember thinking, why do I even try? What's the point of all this effort? I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm trying to enter into a new season with our family. I'm trying to make this sad room a happy room. I want my son to have this great experience, but in a moment, it's destroyed. And again, I just felt that weariness. Maybe you can relate to that, where you feel like, why do I even try? You know, the dream of raising a child in our household at times has become a nightmare, And I think you feel an extra amount of weariness when the dream that you thought would bring you joy has now become something that brings you pain. It's like, I want this job. It's my dream job. I went to school for it. If only I could start my career here. But now you're in that job, and you're filled with anxiety and stress and pain. And now you fantasize about leaving that place that you once sought. You feel weary. Or maybe you had this idea, I just want to be in a romantic relationship. If I could just find the one, then all of my life would be happy and fulfilled, and it would just be great. And then you're in that marriage, and you realize there's no loneliness like feeling married and yet still feeling alone. Or you're in that relationship, and you're in fight after fight after fight, and it doesn't feel like you can ever make progress. You're in a cycle of having the same conversations and the arguments over and over and over again. You're like, why do I even try to explain this to you? Why do I even try to get better? You don't even notice my efforts, and you feel a little bit weary. Maybe it's been your Christian faith where you had this moment where you went to God in a moment of desperation, you prayed the prayers, you read the right books, you go to church, you went to the small group, but it just didn't feel like faith was clicking for you. 
And you are in a cycle of addictions and habits. And you're like, I gave this God thing a try. Or maybe someone in the church took advantage of you. And you feel this hurt and this pain. And you're like, I gave that religion thing a try. But it's just, it's not working. What's the point of this anymore? Will I ever own a house? Will I ever be fulfilled? Will I ever feel happy? I don't know if I ever will. And you just feel weary. You know, I, I just read that last year in America, we set a new record. And it's not a record we should be proud of. It's a record for the most people that have died by suicide in one year in American history. People feeling, why do I live? Why do I try? Maybe the world, maybe my life, maybe my reality and experience would just be better if I gave up. To me, that's feeling weary. And so in Galatians 6, Paul, the apostle, he's speaking to the churches of Galatia, and he's bringing some encouragement. And today, my goal is to just breathe some encouragement into our spirits today by the Spirit of God. And so I want to break down what he says in Galatians 6. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. Because in our attempts to do good, we do get tired. Two things I noticed in just this section is weariness is a normal temptation that we're going to experience. We all get tired. We all get exhausted. Even Christians grow weary. And that doesn't make you bad. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means that you are a human. And a second thing I notice here is, I love that Paul the Apostle, he assumes believers are doing good. He says, don't grow weary in doing good. And maybe you felt weary serving in the church, serving in your family. You're trying to do good things and you're growing weary. You're experiencing that exhaustion. And Paul says some things that I believe that we can learn from. Uh, notice in verse 11, talking to this weariness, you can tell that he knows what it's like to feel weary. Paul is not unfamiliar with growing exhausted. You can tell by the weird way he brags about himself. In verse 11, he says, this is the, the letter and the writing of a weary man. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. It's a weird break, Paul. <laughs> What's going on here? Usually in these letters, uh, someone would dictate the letters, and you would have an assistant write them down. And that at the end of the letter, sometimes these authors, they would write in their own hand to prove that this was an authentic letter from them. You could recognize their handwriting. And also to prove his sincerity. Like, hey, I, I'm doing this work myself. I haven't delegated ministry. This is something I'm doing myself with my own hands. I'm working hard. I know what it's like to feel weary. And even the way the book ends in verses 17 and 18, he says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on the body the marks of Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters, amen. So he understood exhaustion. He was someone who dealt with persecution. He had experienced shipwrecks on his missionary journeys. He had been beaten for the sake of his faith. 
He was familiar with this. But even with that, he says, do not grow weary and well-doing, which is like when someone in your life is stressed out and you just say, hey, relax. It never works. <laughs> some free marriage advice. Uh, if someone in your life is just saying uh, something kind of crazy and they're stressed out and you say, hey, just relax. That is not going to relax them. <laughs> in fact, it's going to hype them up. So just a word to the wise. But Paul is speaking to weary people. And he says, hey, just don't be weary. <laughs> and well-doing. Thanks, Paul. But I, I'm comforted in the fact that he was familiar with doing these journeys, going to the point of exhaustion. And there's a, a principle with this idea of he's assuming we're doing good work. And here's a warning I want to share from the scripture. Number one. I believe that many of us are so afraid of burnout that we rust out. So many of us are afraid of burning out that we rust out. I believe that we have a hustle culture in our society where we rise and grind and we work and work and work. And so many of us, though, because we're afraid of being human doings, we're so afraid of not having any rest, we're so afraid to give into this hustle culture, we've kind of said, all right. I'm not going to work at all because I don't want to be burned out. I don't want to give my best. I don't want to give myself to the point of exhaustion. I don't want a Christianity that includes self-sacrifice. But I have a warning here that if your gospel doesn't have self-sacrifice, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the example that he set for us is one that pours out your life as a drink offering, pours out your life in service to the Lord, in service to your family, in service to the poor. And Paul, he says here, do not grow weary doing good. But he doesn't say, hey, stop doing good. Stop working. Hey, you know what? Let's change the Bible around. Maybe you should just Sabbath six days a week and work one day a week. But I feel like in our spiritual lives, we've adopted that mentality because the extreme has caused us to work and work and work until we've got burned out. And I believe that's a real reality. But in many areas of our life, I think we have this faith mindset that says, hey, if we're wanting to do good, we just need to pray. And then somehow it's going to happen supernaturally. And in a way, our prayer life has become a way of delegating to God what we ought to do ourselves. And I don't think that's OK. We, as Christians, are called to work. We're called to work hard. We're called to sow seeds. And when we sow those seeds, we will reap a harvest. But sowing seeds requires us to work. And I think many of us, we like to judge ourselves based on the harvest we're experiencing. But the harvest isn't something we can control. I mean, some people sow seeds, some people water. But it's God that brings the increase. But what can we judge ourselves on? Not the harvest, but did I sow the seeds that God gave me to invest in my life, in my ministry, in my family? You know, when it comes to our faith, we either rust out or burn out, or we live in the healthy rhythm of work and rest. I have this lawnmower that I use twice a year in the summer, because most of my grass is dead with this hot heat, and the rest of it is weeds. So really, when I mow my grass, 
I'm just mowing the weeds. And whenever I get my lawnmower, I have it in this protected area under this covering because I don't want it to get rained out. I want it to be in good condition. I have it all ready. But every time I get that out for my one time a year, I can't get it to work because it not being used has caused it to be very difficult to use because it's starting to rust. The carburetor is getting clogged. It's lacking gas. And so when you think you're preserving something by resting it, you actually make it harder to use in the future. And I think some of us, we've adopted a gospel of self-preservation, and then our muscles have atrophied. And so when we try to do good, and we try to work, or we try to serve, we think we're burnt out. But actually, we're just experiencing muscle soreness, because we haven't used the muscle in so long. Are you tracking with me? And so Paul the Apostle assumes that we're doing good, because faith without works is dead. And I think one of the biggest criticisms our world has for the church is when we just offer thoughts and prayers, when we ought to be offering work and saying, Lord, I want to be a laborer in your harvest, and I want to make this world a better place so that people will see my good works and glorify our heavenly Father. But if you're like, I'm not reaping a harvest in my faith. I don't see good fruit in my life. I'm not experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. Well, let me ask you, what seeds are you sowing to experience that harvest? I don't feel close to God. Are you reading your Bible? Back to the basics. Are you praying regularly? Are you using the kapo? I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to read the Bible without taking the time to ask someone, hey, would you guide me in this? I'm telling you what, you're not going to thrive in your faith if you're not sowing the seeds that will reap a harvest of a thriving spiritual life with God. Prayer, church attendance, serving, reading your scriptures, having Christian friends. You're saying, I don't like my community. I don't feel like I have a sense of belonging. Are you asking people out to hang out? Are you throwing parties? Are you acknowledging your social anxiety and saying, I have to do something to get past this so that I can have community around me? Are you being a good friend so that you can reap good friendships in your life? If your marriage isn't what you thought it would be, are you taking the time to make the little decisions to have a thriving marriage? Going to couples therapy, saying, hey, when my family is home after work, I'm not going to be on my cell phone. I'm going to be present. I'm going to sow the seed of presence. I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to sow that seed. I'm telling you what. Chore play is a thing. (laughs) Chore play, who knows what I'm talking about? It's the thing. Started this series in Galatians talking about circumcision, and now we're talking about chore play. I'm just saying, in order for your relationship to work, it's going to take work. You don't just pray into existence. Because when you pray to God, guess what? He's going to give you some orders. And a lot of time, our faith requires work. And so what good can you do in the weary areas of your life? And I'm not saying this is a formula. You know, maybe there's a struggle you have in your life, and you're not experiencing the good you want to see. 
and you're working and working and working. I'm not saying it's a perfect formula, but I am saying it's a principle that when you sow and where you sow, you will reap what you sow and you will reap where you sow. Can I get a good amen? Have you ever noticed what Jesus did with weary people? It goes against our instincts. In Matthew 11, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary. And so what we would think when he says, hey, if you're weary, hey, let me just uh, do everything for you. You just rest. You don't do anything. But he does something that's a little weird for us. He says, come who, who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We like this. But this is the weird part. He says, take my yoke upon you. Right? What is a yoke? A yoke is something that ox wear so they can what? So that they can work. So that they can plow. So he's saying, hey, if you're weary, let me put you to work. Jesus, if you're weary, if you're tired, let me put you to work. Let me give you something to plow with and do it with me. And then what happens when we take on the work that Jesus has called us to do? Because he says, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I think so many of us in our attempt to find rest in our lives, we've avoided the burden that God has given us. But it's actually created a vacuum where we burden ourselves with things that we should have never been carrying. But the burden and the work that Jesus calls us to carry, it's light and it brings us into communion with God because we're in the family business and that he's humble of heart and he teaches us gently. And to be honest, he does the heavy lifting. But I'm telling you what, working brings us rest. And this is a spiritual principle that we need to have in our life. Sometimes opportunity is disguised in hard work, isn't it? And then what does Paul go on to say? He says in verse 9, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so when you work at doing good and carrying the yoke with Jesus, you are going to get tired. You are going to get exhausted. But we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Second thing, I think we need to hear a spiritual principle number two is this. Mountaintop experiences are great, but fruit grows in the valley. Mountaintops have great views. It has a great inspiration. It's wonderful. But if you ever climb up a mountain, you'll see you can get past the tree line, and the air gets thinner, and you stop seeing fruit actually grow because the soil, the air, the sun all contributes to an environment where fruit can't grow. And so many of us, we avoid the valleys in our life. We avoid discomfort in our life. But in the valley... That's where the fruit grows. And I think we need to embrace the fact that, uh, yes, hard work might lead to exhaustion. Yes, in our weariness, we might have a, a hope deferred and our heart might be sick. But it's in those opportunities that God can develop something in us. Because I believe that God is more concerned with who we are becoming than what success we are achieving. He is so concerned with our heart. And so if you want to be patient, anybody here want more patience in your life? Well, what does that look like? That says, Lord, thank you for Highway 405. 
thank you for closing that because in that valley, you are developing the fruit of the spirit in my life. Can we just take a two-second praise break to thank the Lord for the closing down of 405? Come on. Because he's developing something in us in that valley. Can I get a loud and boisterous amen? Thank you for patience. He's not just going to manifest patience out of nowhere. He's going to do it in the valley of the highway of death. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. And so what I'm learning is stress isn't all bad. You know, if if you're working out, and you're never overloading your muscles, but you work out every day, guess what? You're not getting stronger. If you're a musician and you always sound good when you practice, you're probably not pushing your boundaries beyond what you can already do. So if you're not stressed or working yourself to the point of exhaustion, you're assuming you've maxed out in your life and this is all the capacity you'll ever have. There's no more for you. But I believe that God is growing us from strength to strength and glory to glory. And I believe that stress isn't all bad. And some of the good things we are seeking are on the other side of stress because fruit grows in the valley. It's like when I take my ice baths, which I'm still doing, my, my body goes into hypothermia. And if I survive my heart stopping, because that happens to some people I've learned in hindsight, uh, if I survive that, my body releases dopamine as a response to all that stress. Any runners here? And when you run a lot, you get what's called runners. Hi. And uh, it's this feeling where you just feel good about the stress that your body has endured. In the same way with the fruit of the Spirit, when we sow to the Spirit, when we're feeling that exhaustion of sowing those seeds and we're given our all, I believe that we'll reap a harvest. And it might feel like the runner's hive endorphins. It might be learning patience. But there are things that are crafted in our lives. So we need to overload our spiritual muscles if we want to grow. And we will reap a harvest. And so here's a a question I've been asking. If crushed wheat produces flour and crushed olives produce oil, what could my crushed heart produce? And so you've been, you've been weary, believing for this miracle, praying and praying and praying, sowing to the Spirit. You've been trying, trying, trying with these habits to break these addictions in your life. I'm telling you something. You might not get the exact answer to your prayer, but God is forming something in your heart that is beautiful, and beautiful people don't just happen. There are people who have had some trauma and some pain and experiences, but they overcame it by the grace of God, and they believe that, hey, yes, I have a testimony, but that only came on the other side of the test. I have a message that God is good, but guess what? At the beginning of my message, there there was a mess, and I own it, and I acknowledge it. And I believe that we're all at different capacities, and we need to experience that. But we grow in capacity when we embrace pain. You know, my, my son, like I talked about, he has autism. And I, for so many years, was just so resentful and bitter 
about our experience. And I still pray for him every day. Like any father wants my son to flourish and the ability to be able to speak one day or make his first friend. I mean, these are hopes I have every day. Uh, but I, I don't know. I was just like bitter at God for so many of these unanswered prayers. But something crazy happened in my therapy appointment about a month ago. I had watched this documentary about a, a pastor who had a moral failure. And after his moral failure, very public figure, he decided to go to therapy only after that experience. And he realized there's a lot of junk in my life. Well, because of my desperation with autism, that was the trigger that led me to go to therapy for the first time. And I, I learned about my family of origin, trauma I was carrying in my body, and the stress of raising a son which ha- uh, 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 with special needs led for me to grow in my maturity in, my, in Christ, in trust in Christ, in faith in Christ. And after watching this documentary and realizing I had been doing a lot of hard work in my interior life, I said to my therapist, you know what? I actually thank the Lord that I've had to deal with this season of autism because I've learned to trust the Lord. I've learned to trust him when I don't understand what he's doing. I've learned to endure, and I feel my, my capacity to trust God in the painful areas of life and in the ambiguous areas of life and the confusing areas of life, they've grown. And I've realized like all these circumstances in my life aren't designed just to make me happy, but to make me holy and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, who in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat to the point of bleeding. And he said, God, I don't want this, but nevertheless, let your will be done in my life. And so I can say the same to God. I don't really want all of this pain. I don't understand it. But if you can take the olives of my life and turn it into oil, so be it, Lord. Conform me into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. I love this quote by Nancy DeMoss. She writes, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Contrary to what we would expect, brokenness is the pathway to blessing. There are no alternative routes. There are no shortcuts. The very thing we dread and are tempted to resist is actually the means to God's greatest blessings in our life. And so I believe that in the kingdom, we either win or we quit. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You know, I believe we have an opportunity for those of us who are weary. I want to challenge us to recommit to sow the seeds of hope in the areas of our greatest despair. Believing that, yes, maybe we don't experience the promise exactly like we expected, but we believe that God is forming a harvest inside of us to experience the fruit of the Spirit in the valley of our greatest despair. I believe that there are many of us in this room where you're in this fight. You're in this secret battle. But I believe that when we wait on the Lord, he will renew our strength. 
But our waiting isn't this passive event. It's like a, a waiter at a restaurant. We're waiting on the Lord. Lord, hey, I, what do you need? How can I work with you? How can I attend to you? I'm not just waiting. I'm working with you. And I believe that my association with you is making the burden of my heart lighter because I can trust you. And I know we're plowing, but at least I know we're moving forward. And I know it's cheesy, but when you're walking through hell, that's not the time to stop. You need to keep moving forward so that you can get on the other side. And so I just believe my assignment this morning is to breathe encouragement and life to your weary souls. You know, we are celebrating the launching of three services this next September. But I'm just reminiscing. Last year, we only had one service. You know, a year and a half before that, our church was only 38 people after being online for, for 58 weeks. And there's so many times where this was when the autism diagnoses were going on in our, our household. This is when I began therapy. This is, you know, two and a half, three years ago, I went to our board and I said, I don't know if I can be the pastor anymore. I don't know if I can be a pastor with Pastor Amita. I don't know if I can be a husband anymore. I don't know if I can be a father anymore. I just feel weary. I feel like giving up. I feel like I've exhausted my own strength. I can't even care for myself. But in that moment, choosing to trust the Lord and lean into him, I realized that the end of my self-care was the beginning of God's care. And this is what Galatians is all about. It's not by our own works we're saved. And we do work. But at the end of the day, at the end of our work and at the beginning of our brokenness, God shows up as healer and restore. And so do not be afraid of your brokenness because it is the greatest opportunity to experience God as healer. And I believe that we have an opportunity to see a great harvest in our community, in our lives, but also all the broken people in Bellevue region and beyond. And so we're launching these three services so that we can work in the harvest with our God where we can be part of the faith stories and the miracles. And we can see that God can use a broken person like me to reach other broken people in this community. I believe it's coming. I believe it's happening. And I have a whole nother point in my sermon, but I just want us to pray even right now. And so would you just stand up to your feet? And I believe that there are people in this room, you are weary. You are weary in your soul. Can we just close our eyes and bow our heads? If that's you here right now, you're, just, you're at the point of exhaustion. You've had these thoughts of, why do I even try? Would you just lift up your hand? I'm just tired. You can put your hands down. Thanks for being honest. I just want to pray strength over you right now. Oh, dear Lord, I thank you for the, the, the vulnerability of weakness in this room. And Lord, I... I'm so thankful that in our weakness, you can be strong in our lives and strong for us. And so, Lord, I just pray grace that in these areas of weariness in our life, yes, I pray that we would do what we're called to do, but we'd also trust that there's a harvest on the other side of the work as you bring the increase. And so, Lord, we'll do 100% of what we're called to, but we trust that you'll do 100% of what you're called to do in our life. So, Lord, I pray for strength in our souls. I pray for strength 
in our spirits, for those of us who just feel like giving up is the only way out, Lord, I pray that you would restore hope and life in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, for marriages, for finances, for jobs, for developing a family, for dreams that are on the brink of dying, Lord, I pray that you'd bring a refreshment of your spirit in this very room. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.